Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome to my sermon podcast. We are in the midst of a sermon series here at Urban Village called Shareable, where we explore what it means to share our faith. But before we get to that, let me read a couple of passages that I'll be reflecting on. The first comes from Matthew 28, and the second comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8. So first, this passage from Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And now hear these words from Acts. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May God's blessing be on the reading of this word. So many of you know I'm a fairly active runner, and for runners, one of the top uh, periodicals that they subscribe to is Runner's World. I've subscribed to it off and on over the years, and so it's always uh, somewhat of a dream of any runner to maybe someday be mentioned in Runner's World, and I got my dream to come true just a few months ago, but not necessarily in the way that I had always envisioned. I thought maybe it would be because of some superlative running performance But instead, I know a freelance writer who works for Runner's World named Cindy. And Cindy reached out to runners that she knows and asked them if they would ever be willing to act as uh, people who would comment on stories that she was writing. So she sent out an email saying, I'm writing about these certain stories. And one of them was about runners who deal with anger as they run. And as soon as she wrote that, I thought, that's me. So I wrote to her and said I'd be happy to share or be com- or um, be quoted. So she called me and I shared about some of the things that frustrate me about running. 
And as I was talking, I had a feeling like, because I'm also a writer, I know like what makes for a good lead, what makes for a good entry into a story. And as I was talking, I thought, you know, having a pastor talk about anger that he feels when he runs probably would be a pretty good lead. And sure enough, the very first sentence in the article uh, was this. Most of the time, Chris Kuhn is a mild-mannered, low-key pastor at Urban Village Church in Chicago. So notice that the key phrase in there is most of the time. It then went on to talk about my issues with anger that I have when I go running. So whether that's cars who cut people off, cut me off, but also sometimes when I go to and run in races. And one of my little pet peeves, things that make me angry, I must confess, are people who volunteer, good volunteers who have willingly given up their time to stand and be race marshals. So they stand at corners. So if runners are supposed to turn a certain way, that the race marshal or the volunteer tells them, go this way. And it it annoys me when these race marshals don't really, aren't very uh, forceful in telling runners which way to go. And this has happened to me a few times. And one of the times I was running this race in Iowa, uh, this is three or four years ago. I think it might have been. I can't remember why we were there. It was in the summer. But it was a small town. And uh, I was running. I was near the end of the race. And I was tired. And I knew that the race was close or that the end was close. And so as I was going, and there was a guy just standing there at a corner. And I didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. And he just stood there and stood there. So I just kept going straight when I was supposed to be turning right. And I had run a little bit past him. And he finally woke up to the fact that I was running uh, not going the right way. And he said, hey, you're supposed to turn there. But he hadn't said anything to me. So I may or may not have cursed at him. Uh, I will neither uh, confirm or deny that. And <laughs> kept going on my way. And he may have also said something back to me. So it bothers me when I'm running in a race, especially when there are people there and they don't tell me which way to go. I need them to forcefully tell me be very definitive, like this is the way that you go so that I don't lose my place, so that I run more than I should. Um, and I thought about that story as I thought about this sermon series, but also about the scripture that we are reflecting on today. And also a really key question, as we talk about what does it mean to share our faith? A couple of weeks ago, I talked about what does it mean to share the gospel? And so a good question that people might ask is why? Why should we share the gospel? Is it simply because Jesus says so? Matthew 28, 19, which I read earlier, said, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is one of the key texts for Christians. Like when we talk about evangelism, that kind of dirty word that people sometimes uh, lift up when it comes to the Christian faith. So why? Why should we share our faith? Why can't we just keep it to ourselves? So I reflected on that. I reflected and, and thought, you know, I share... I share because my sense is that many people are like me when I'm running a race, that they want direction, that they are desiring a way to go in their life, not just obviously if they're running a race, but they desire direction in living their own life. And as you might guess, because of what I do for a living, I believe that the way of Jesus is a life-changing route to go. As I was reflecting on this a fairly famous quote by a man named Augustine who lived in the 4th and 5th century. He was a, a Christian bishop and a theologian, born and lived in what is today uh, Algeria. And he said this really wonderful quote. He said, you have made us for yourself 
and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And the you here, of course, is God. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I believe this is true for everyone, that God has made all people for God's self, and that our hearts are restless until it rests in God. And part, I think, of our call as Christians is to help those restless people get a sense of what it means to rest in God, to give them direction, to show them a path. We see here in this passage from Acts that this eunuch is a little lost and a little restless. So Philip, this man named Philip, comes up, one of the early Christian evangelists, and he asks the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, no, how can I unless someone guides me? So interestingly, here is a word about eunuchs in this time and place. Now we can kind of perhaps surmise that the eunuch has his material needs met because he's riding his chariot, he's in charge of the treasury for the queen, but there is something that is stirring within him that doesn't quite fulfill what the material needs have been fulfilled for. Another word about eunuchs is that eunuchs were forbidden to enter temple for worship at this time and place. They were neutered, castrated before puberty so that they could be safe, deemed safe to serve among women in the royal household. So also they were oftentimes stereotyped as sexually immoral. So here's this eunuch. Again, he has his material needs met, but something is stirring within him. People have rejected this part of him. And he's also searching something beyond himself. And so he needs someone to help him with this. So here we have Philip. In a sense, Philip is kind of a Jesus concierge. Uh, This is kind of how I like to see evangelism sometimes. Like whenever we go somewhere, maybe a hotel or something like that, and we need help, we need guidance. Like where should we go to spend our time? Where should we go to eat? Where should we, where's a place to get a good cup of coffee or a good drink? Or we need tickets. And the concierge is the one who can bridge that gap. That we have a desire to know, want to know where to go. And the concierge is there for us to make recommendations and to say, here's where I think that you should spend your time. Here's where you should go. And so Philip pops up to do this. The text tells us, Philip begins to speak and starting with the scripture, he proclaims to him the good news about Jesus. Now, Philip, it should also be noted is not one of the original disciples. There are two Philips here, not the original Philip, but this was a Philip who was a good man. He was essentially asked to serve in middle management. Uh, There was a dispute among the early church about distribution of food to the widows, and Philip was one of six people to kind of take care of this. So he was a good operations guy. But as he continued on to his faith, he was also called to be a Jesus concierge, to be somebody who could bridge that gap to give someone, here's where I think direction can be had because he has compassion for this eunuch. He knows that this eunuch is a little directionless. He knows that this eunuch is restless. And Philip knows that he cannot find full rest until he rests in God. And so this is the reason that Philip does it. Philip doesn't do it to add numbers to a big tally sheet. He doesn't do it just because Jesus says so. He does it because he has compassion. He has empathy for somebody who is restless, for somebody who is wondering and wandering. 
And so Philip says, I can be that person. I can be that person. And he starts to speak. And in Philip's case, he starts with scripture and he proclaims the good news. Last week we talked about all we really need is our own story to say, you know, this is what's worked for me. And so if calling yourself or thinking of yourself as an evangelist is a little weird for you, think of yourself as a Jesus concierge. Think of people in your life, friends, family, neighbors, associates, coworkers, whatever. Think of people in your life who you may sense are a little directionless and pray that there might be an opportunity for you to be a concierge, somebody who's restless in your life and that you can say, you know, and you feel for them. You feel for their restlessness. You feel, feel the fact that they are wandering, that they need some direction. They need someone to be one of those road race marshals to say, here is a way that works for me, a powerful way, a life-changing way that works for me. This Sunday, we will be walking in the Pride Parade, uh, one of the highlights of the year for us, and it never fails. It never fails. So the last two or three years, I've been finally wearing my clerical collar. One year, I wore the clerical robes, too. And people, we go along the parade route and high-fiving people and telling them that God loves them. That's all we do is just simply say, God loves them. And it never fails. It never fails that at least one person will have tears in their eyes when they see me as a representative of God. They see me and they want to give me a hug. And they will just hold me close because of my representation, because of my bridge to God. And just by being there saying, you are loved by God. And somebody who is feeling a little restless, feeling a little directionless, and they will hold on to me just a little tighter because perhaps no one has either said that to them ever or it's been a long time since someone has said that to them. It's a powerful moment and it doesn't just happen at Pride Parade or any other big event. It can happen in our daily lives too. We are called to share the gospel because people are restless. We are called to share the gospel because I believe People need direction. They need a way to live. And if there's someone in your life who has voiced that, who senses that, then I think it is our call to be that Jesus concierge, to be that road marshal, to say, this is a way for works for me. We cannot force it. We cannot argue somebody into it. All we can do is say, This is the direction for me. And tell your story. And then let God do the rest. Who's that restless person in your life? Who's that person who needs direction? How can you share that path for them? Amen. Well, friends, so this week's sermon was a little bit shorter than normal because um, we are leaving right after we're leaving worship early to go to the Pride Parade. So it, this week's sermon is a little bit shorter, but uh, I still am grateful for your listening. And also, I'll be taking a week off. I won't be preaching on July 2nd, so I'll be back with you in two weeks. Until then, may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, be with you. Waking or sleeping